1: You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network.
0: Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at f one pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laromay.
1: And good day, good night, welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula 1, Kevin Laramie with Mark Daly, as always, Mark, preview of the Malaysian Grand Prix, the last, maybe ever, Malaysian Grand Prix, well, the last in the near future, but a few f One. News to talk about before we move on to previewing this week's Grand Prix. And it starts with Robert Kubica admitting that now his comeback trails are becoming pretty slim. It's going to be difficult for him to get behind a Formula One wheel.
2: Yeah, that's a little bit sad because it seemed like a little bit earlier this summer, especially when he was doing those couple of tests for Renault that he first did, a, I guess, a a medium length sort of test and then a longer one. He said he felt really good and he was putting in some competitive times, which they never publicly released, but whatever. It really had a feel that there may be something to this story, but then what with the, the whole switch with Honda and Renault and science going from Toro Rosso to Renault on loan and all these different funny things that it kind of made sense that, well, if Kubica was going to come back, then it probably wasn't going to be with with Renault. But now it seems that it may not happen at all, which is is too bad because when he was in Formula One, it really seemed like he, he was a guy that had so much potential and so much opportunity to to do some great things in Formula One. And then of course had that horrible accident in, uh, in rally back in 2011, I guess it was. So yeah, a bit disappointing, but maybe the writing was on the wall just with some of the things that were happening, not necessarily involving Kubica himself.
1: The thing that we need to understand when we're talking about F1 drivers, and I think it's going to be the conversation for the next few minutes is, An F1 driver is not about the present. It's always about the future. It's not always just next year. It's next year and the one after. Mid-season, gears are changing and focus is put on the year after. And the driver has to work, sometimes on paper, and brings ideas. And it's always more than just the present. So, if you are thinking of having a Robert Kubiksa at a short-term basis for a, cl- a team, it's not necessarily going to work. One year off, wh- why put him and invest the money, which is his salary, to him for that year, when you can have like a younger driver, or not necessarily younger by age, but a driver that you anticipate will be with your team for two, three, four, five, ten years down the road. Why not put him him in that seat so he gets that experience during that year and not necessarily, quote-unquote, wasted on a Robert Kubica, which on the driver's side, like for Robert Kubica, it's not a waste. He's got a job, he's got a good salary, and it's an amazing experience. But on the team perspective, you're talking about an investment as a business towards an asset, which is a driver, and you want that asset to be with you for a certain amount of years. So for me, it never truly made sense to put Robert Kubica back in a Formula One car.
2: Yeah, I think that's why the lineup that they have at Renault for next year makes a lot of sense. Obviously, they brought in uh, Nico Hulkenberg for this year, and they're in the middle of this five-year program that they've embarked on to get back to the top of Formula One and become a real competitor obviously Hulkenberg's been around for a little while. He's the the perfect kind of journeyman, kind of mid-career pro driver, Formula One driver to put in that car. And then they really need a real hot young driver, I think, to to really push him and and really help that team along. And obviously that guy hasn't been Joe Palmer, who's not going to be back at uh, at Renault for next year. But I think that Carlos Sainz is going to be a good fit there, even though it's kind of a bit of a weird situation being a loan deal, which you see more in soccer rather than in Formula One and motor racing. But, hey, whatever. I think that uh, Renault have come out on top. It, and It's
1: something that you might never see again. It was yeah. dictated by the entire situation. And it's just, look, the entire color science, Renault and engine change and Honda and McLaren and Red Bull and mixed with Renault, all this weird thing. Everybody just figured a way to make it work. And if it has to loan, like, I would have been surprised if mechanics would have been loaned, right? Whatever it takes. You're like, okay, let's make this work. (laughs) So that's what they did.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. <laughs> the, the the whole swapping of cars and engines and drivers and everything that's kind of gone on in the past couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, like we were talking about last week, I guess the, the whole situation with Honda leaving McLaren was uh, almost inevitable. But the fact that that science ended up going to Renault in exchange as well, it's part of the way that this whole shuffle worked around is something I don't think that anybody really saw, but Toro Rosso is going to have a completely different lineup for next year.
1: Yeah, prob- well, well, maybe starts, even it starts, starts this weekend. weekend. <laughs> and That's unfortunate, but it's something we were expecting because of what I just mentioned a few minutes ago. It's not about now, it's about the future. So if, like... Already just Kivya back at Toro Rosso doesn't make sense when you're looking at how Red Bull structures its development for drivers. The pyramid of development uh, I feel like I'm talking about soccer here, uh, but the, <laughs> the, the development pyramid of Toro Rosso slash Red Bull as a team you rarely go backwards and then have another opportunity forwards. You either progress or you're cut from that pyramid. That's usually how. It works, and in this case, when they made the switch last year, Verstappen going to Renault, Kvyat to, to Rosso, you don't go back. And if you go back, it means that, well, they kind of lost confidence in you at a higher level, which it was yep. the case, yep. and that confidence, once you lost it at that level, they'd rather probably give the chance to somebody else, maybe somebody younger, maybe somebody with the... Uh, Not as good pedigree as you have, but that didn't break that confidence barrier. And I think that's what happened with Danny Kvyat. And his days were numbered in my mind ever since he was sent back to Toro Rosso.
2: Yeah, that's true. And I mean, he deserved his shot with the main Red Bull team, but you could tell that the leash was very short, starting in China last year. Although I I thought that he had the right to make that move, even though that uh, Sebastian Vettel called him out on it after the race. But it didn't really... It wasn't up for debate for very long because when they went to Sochi not too long afterwards, when Kvyat hit him a number of times and then knocked him off of the, uh, the, the track into the wall on the opening lap, that pretty much uh, sealed the deal because then he was out at Red Bull and back down to Toro Rosso and Verstappen came up, won his first race at uh, at the Spanish Grand Prix and the rest is uh, basically history. And Kvyat's basically been treading water to a, a certain extent and I, I think that the big problem is that sure he makes headlines, but he seems to make the headlines for all the wrong reasons. So I know that uh, Pierre Gasly is only coming in for a, a one race deal, and theoretically uh, Kvyat should be back in a couple of weeks. But <laughs> we'll you know, see if that happens. Uh, if, yeah,
1: Gasly does the same as Danny Kvyat was doing, mm-hmm. which would be not necessarily putting cars out of the race because that's That's what usually (laughs) give is just just that mark just the fact that he's known as the rocket you know
2: well that's right i mean he's got that nickname of the torpedo for a reason right exactly
1: the rocket is uh, putting nicely it's a torpedo it's less (laughs) fancy less powerful and you cannot maneuver easily torpedo less (laughs) yeah torpedo instead of a rocket
2: well if they uh, they've just finished FP3 for the uh, the Malaysian Grand Prix just before we hit uh, the record buttons here and Gasly is uh, put in the ninth fastest time only just a shade behind Lance Stroll who uh, put in a 152295 Gasly put in a 152380 I mean they're they're way back Verstappen topped the uh, the, the fastest times with a 148.962 I mean, take that with a, with a pinch of salt because it is free practice. And obviously, they're, they're still getting the car sorted out. It's wet. It's raining at Sipang this morning. So, you know, t- take that with, uh, you know, like I say, a pinch of salt, but it's interesting nonetheless. But I, I agree with you. If, if Gasly has a good weekend here. Who knows? Yeah, maybe we don't see Kiviat in because if there's somebody knocking on the door that has a lot of potential and uh, can get the job done, then if you're Toro Rosa, why wouldn't you go for that? Why wouldn't you give him the uh, the opportunity to try and get uh, get something done? So we'll we'll wait and see what happens this weekend. It could be very interesting, and who knows? Maybe Kiviat will be the latest guy who will be looking for a job for next year.
1: Yeah, there's a few now. And there's a few that I think won't find a job in Formula One. Probably Kvyat. Uh, we'll see for Julian Palmer. But let's talk about Pierre Gasly here. Pierre yep. Gasly becomes Toro's so second driver. And we all know Carlos Sainz is uh, just a question of timing. And uh, who knows when. Maybe maybe that loan can just kick in next week. You never know. Uh, if this could happen. I wouldn't be surprised. And... Uh, Julian Palmer now is like basically in a car that he knows he's lost already for next year. So he's probably like expecting a, every time his phone rings. Like, should I answer? <laughs> is it them calling me saying, "Look, dude, <laughs> you're just just stay home for today. We got yeah, you. Don't comfort. you
2: don't have to get on the plane this weekend? <laughs>
1: hey, you want to have a, a long weekend for you? Come on, Julian. No, no, no. But back to Pierre Gasly. Uh, JP2 driver, Pierre Gasly uh, doing well across the world. Supercars and uh, has performed at a higher level than expected. And he's been a name we've been hearing um, in the up-and-coming drivers that t- could have a shot. And he's in the Renault, of course. He's the, he's, he's like the, next one, in the uh, next one in line in the Renault driver development system. So we're not surprised to see Pierre Gasly giving a shot with Toro Rosso this weekend. And you can't really ask Carlos Sainz to miss a weekend. Like he's going to better things maybe with Renault, but you kind of have to have him drive. And well, sorry, Danny. It's, It's your drive. It's your seat that he's getting.
2: Yeah, I know that it kind of seems like a lateral move when you look at where Toro Rosso is in the Constructors' Championship and where Renault is in the Constructors' Championship. But in theory, Renault has the expertise, they have the resources and the the means to move up the grid. And Science has been saying for at least a year that he wants to get away from Toro Rosso, he wants a shot with a bigger team. And I wouldn't say he's been moaning, but he definitely has been saying that he wants that opportunity and thinks that he deserves a shot with the, with a big team so now he's definitely going to somewhere, like I say, that's got more resources and is a bigger team than Toro Rosso, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. Of course, to a certain extent, uh, they're going to have to give them, well, to a large extent, I should say, that uh, they're going to have to give him and Nico Hülkenberg a good car. But we did see a move forward last year in their first year back in Formula One. It was it was a transition year, for, uh, obviously, but this year they've definitely moved forward. So the next two, three years is going to be very interesting to watch to see how far forward they move and if they are moving forward how long is Carlos Sainz going to stay there is he going to stay there on a loan deal is he going to be able to break yeah. away from the the Red Bull cabal if you will Maybe. and sign with a different team so
1: I, I have big hopes for Renault why who is the last constructor to decide to go away from just being an engine provider and build their own team what did they go through? And where are they now? And how long did it take? So with that blueprint in mind, Renault is trying something. They're trying to replicate what Mercedes did at the beginning of the twenty tens. And mm-hmm. you know what? There may be a year ahead of where Mercedes were. So that's what I'm thinking. And that's why I'm hopeful for Renault.
2: Yeah, and I'd like to see like teams that build everything themselves, and I think it's a great story to see how successful Mercedes has been in their return, their return to the sport as a, a complete. constructor constructor in all sense of the word is chassis, gearbox, engine and you get the same at Ferrari. I know that you have other successful teams like McLaren and Williams uh, well at least in the past they've been successful that have been very good at building a car but haven't built their own engine but that's why I thought it was interesting a couple of weeks ago the CEO of McLaren, Zach Brown said that depending on what the rules will be for the next specification or the next generation of Formula 1 engines when the current deal expires in 2020 may be an incentive for mclaren to produce their own engines and i think that would be very cool to see at that point you could have a mercedes you could have a ferrari and a Renault, and a mclaren building their own cars from from nose to tail i think that'd be uh, really cool to see
1: isn't that the idea isn't that like uh, we're, we're going to a philosophy of motorsport racing here but I think NASCAR or IndyCar got got one thing right to keep the cost at a certain level that, yeah, it's it not, not, doesn't work for NASCAR. But prototype racing now is gearing towards that where the limits of the cost are there and anybody can just build their own car. And that's kind of what you would love to see. Imagine if the 10 different teams in Formula One are all 10 different auto manufacturers. Just proving their might on a racetrack. Yeah, I think that'd be cool idea? for the
2: purist, right?
1: Isn't that like how? Isn't that like what it's supposed to be? Like, imagine you have a. Uh, let's go chrono, uh, like alphabetically. Like Aston Martin, an Audi, a Corvette, a Porsche, a Toyota, a uh, I have dropped the alphabetical order by the way. A Ford, you know, and you have a Ferrari, and you have a. Um, a Honda and a Hyundai and, and a Kia, you know, you got 10 teams, you know, wouldn't that be fascinating? And I don't know, maybe it's just utopia, but maybe this <laughs> is where it all ends up. Maybe this is where we're going. And if Porsche and Austin Mountain and Audi all come in in 2020 and there's a cap limit of $150 million, $200 million, well, guess what? They all can afford it now. So maybe they all have a team. So maybe that's yeah. the utopian world in twenty twenty. Yeah, that that's an
2: interesting point that you put. And I think that just the way that the sport is structured now, and I I know that they've put some ideas out for cost saving measurements and things like that, but I mean you Formula One still is a world of the haves and the have nots. On one hand, you have your your Mercedes and Ferrari who basically have unlimited budgets and the the, the means to generate Basically, what they need to develop whatever they want. And then you compare that to your Saubers and your. Uh, well basically everybody else and I I mean I I think that Williams is always a fascinating case because here's a team that has decades of experience they've won multiple constructors championships and drivers championships and uh, how many races have they entered over the year and they still have a very big budget but still they can't come close to a Mercedes or a Ferrari at least at this point in time so if they could find a way to really put a, a cap on spending then that would be it would be an interesting situation and would it prov- uh, prove as a bit of an incentive for teams to develop their own cars and engines i don't know but i think it'd be very cool to see more teams that that build their entire cars and like you say maybe it's utopia maybe it's wishful thinking but i think that you know you and i aren't the only people that might think that
1: and if you're looking at the landscape of formula one teams right now and the way uh, Mr. Matasich always talks about his Formula One team and other projects, eventually maybe he's going to sell it. You know, you never know with him. Maybe one day he's going to be tired of the, of the expenses and everything surrounding it, and eventually he's going to have to find ways to uh, make a profit. You can sell this team. It's worth a lot more than when you got it. So who knows? Uh, Aston Martin is becoming a bigger partner. And now can you imagine if one day Aston Martin was like, you know what? It's time. We're, we're getting our own team. I do uh, Red Bull, sorry. How much for it? All right, Mr. Mazinzic. Here's a check. And Red Bull is now Aston Martin. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this happens. And I wouldn't be surprised if Williams like, you know what? We're just going to build our own car from A to Z. And if you keep cost control, and it's already been looked at, uh, uh, the possibilities of just Williams making their own engine, maybe that in the future, if cost control is put in place so you never know what can happen
2: <laughs> well that's the thing with formula one you never know what can, can happen and everything happens and it usually does plus a lot of things that you never really expect right
1: no exactly and uh we, we got a little bit off tangent here uh, but it was a uh, an interesting uh, dream that we're uh, we're talking about here <laughs> mark uh, Pierre Gasly, we've talked about him, and there's an interesting story between Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly, uh, both French uh, and both around the same age. So yes, they rubbed shoulder when they were kids, and their parents were actually friends. Mark, and one day, uh, they're like, when Esteban Ocon was already uh, like a go kart driver, uh, Pierre Gasly was playing the beautiful game. He was a he was a football player, he was a soccer player, and they were like uh, at a track and watching uh, Esteban on his go kart, and Esteban is like. Pia, Pia, come on. It's here, here, Pia. Come here, Pia. Try try my go-kart. Try my go-kart. Go around. And he's been racing ever since.
2: That's a great story. And it's kind of cool to see that uh, that both of them are going to be racing this uh, weekend. And it's funny sometimes when you see these uh, stories come out, how interesting it is to, to see that he was had this didn't even have this interest in motorsport or in racing and you see now that he is on the cusp of getting a full-time drive in formula 1 but it kind of leads to another question on the, on the flip side would had uh would, would Gasly had been talented enough to be a professional footballer i guess we'll never know but he definitely seems to have the talents to at least get a look at a formula 1 drive
1: There's a lot more football players in the world than F1 drivers. So the dedication and opportunity needed, like when I say opportunity needed, is to have the right backers financially at the right time or at least the opportunity and the acquaintances to get them in the right timing in your development. doesn't matter if you get them when you're 30, you're too old, buddy. You need them <laughs> when you're 12. And that's what we're seeing with the, the Gasly and the Okans and the elected ones, the, the 20 elected ones. Because there's only 20 F1 drivers in the entire world. There's about 100,000 professional football players across the spectrum in the entire world. There's 20 F1 drivers. So to be one of the elected ones, you need things to go the right way. So to have friends or to have people that know itself know each other... Get there, Mm -hmm. it's quite a feat of accomplishment when you're looking at the probabilities of it. But it is a world where it's even more difficult to be a professional and to live off what you do and to get to the level of Formula One than a professional football player.
2: You know, I love both sports, but uh, I think if I had my choice, I think I definitely would uh, try to get that that elusive uh, and i guess coveted spot as a formula yeah. one driver
1: compared me too, because to say i don't if, have to yeah. run that's like the biggest part of it it's like <laughs> I, I don't have to run that that's I, I love soccer it's my game it's my sport why do i have to run can i just be in the net like leave me alone i need to run i'm good i'm good or you, that's why or you I can love. just
2: stay at home and play uh fifa on the uh on the playstation
1: love motorsport don't need to run <laughs>
2: <laughs> definitely
1: Love cycling, by the way. And if you're a a little cycling fan, I forgot to mention it off the top of the show. But I'm gearing up for a ride for refuge this Saturday, September 30th. And if you are able and willing to give me a little hand financially, it's for a great cause. I am riding for the St. James Drop-In Center, a place in Montreal for the marginalized and the homeless to come each day and get a meal, hot meal, shower, time uh, it's more than that actually it's to have a community to have friends to have a place where you come and feel comfortable and we all need that comfort and if you have that comfort maybe think about the ones that don't and uh, help me and my contribution to uh, the saint james drop-in center i will ride 50 kilometers this saturday and you can find the link in the description of this show and you can find the link on my social media as well so uh, if you can just please give me a hand
2: very cool, yeah, and we'll have that in the show notes, like you say. So, if anybody's able and and wants to donate to Kevin, we definitely have the link up for you to do so.
1: Now, Mark Lewis. Speaking of uh, of help, and speaking of, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's no there's no segue possible here, and uh, but yeah, uh, this is a tough
2: one to try to transition <laughs> into. <laughs>
1: Let's thread this carefully, but I think we can do it. In, in broad strokes, Lewis Hamilton shows support for NFL protests, and, and it's it's going where it's not even supposed to be. It's not about the flag; it's about a lot of different things, and that now it has become about just a confrontation between people. And it's uh, not what we're talking about. Talk about, but uh, Lewis Hamilton has shown support to the players.
2: Yeah, and it's it's ongoing because I know before the Thursday night game that went on uh, earlier tonight between the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, the players and coaches on both teams linked arms on uh, either side of the field. So, it's it's just gone ongoing and uh, I I don't know how this whole thing of uh, you know, Donald Trump kind of all worked its way into this podcast because he's kind of like the least furthest away. Uh, away from what we usually talk about but it's really become a thing and it's interesting that uh, lewis has uh, piped up and i know he made uh, a couple of different comments out on uh, social media over the past day or so just trying to i guess educate and kind of bring the issue to light and lend his support to, to the players and maybe try and clarify things uh t- to a certain degree i was a little bit surprised i must say to see him weigh in but i can totally understand and respect why he did so
1: yeah well he was probably asked too that's big that's the question of the day now you go into a scrum first thing you ask doesn't if you're a sports scrum so what do you think about it? like yeah that's why you're seeing those headlines that's why you're seeing all those different sports all those different athletes from hockey to soccer to baseball to formula 1 to probably cricket probably ultimate frisbee and other sports athletes are now being asked about this controversy this movement i don't know how this uh what this saga this how do you, how do you yeah, even I, I guess it?
2: saga is the way to to really describe it because i mean i don't really understand all of it but it, it's so multifaceted and there's there's so many different angles that people can look at it from and you know just depending who you talk to and what their point of view is kind of puts it all in a in a in a in a different twist or in a different light and it's all really kind of amazing that's how it's gone because I mean this isn't nothing new I mean it started over a year ago with uh, Colin Kaepernick who used to be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers he's a guy that started it and then a couple of teammates did and it's just kind of been ongoing here and there until and like l- a week and a remember, half ago yeah
1: like let's remember at that moment of time you had like I don't want to say a number off the top of my head because I'm going to get it wrong and this number is important to know. So I'm just going to strain from saying what the number is. But there was multiple incidents regarding white police officers and black kids, black persons being shot down by police that created those riots, that created those feelings and created a feeling inside a person. And, and, you know, I'll say my take on it, which I've said many times on Soccer Today but for me, and I've said to people who ask me about it, because uh, people know I cover sports, so like, oh, so what do you think about... F-? So I'm like, what do you... Th-? I was asked, what do you think about players using their platform? And I'm like, if you have a platform, which we do, Mark, okay? Mm-hmm. So if ever there's, a, 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 there's something inside me that I have a conviction that compels me to use the platform that I have to speak about that conviction and how I think it needs to be different, which... Is the freedom of speech? Yes, and it's actually in the Constitution of the United States. And if you f- feel you need to do something for your country or for your community, you kind of have to do it. It's kind of like a, a right, your right of a, as a citizen, basically, in, in our world. So, if you have a platform and you do have a conviction that makes you feel strong enough that you feel you need to use that platform and speak and use it to talk about your conviction, you have the right to do so. And that's yep, where yep. I stand. And I will never say on each side of the spectrum, if you have that platform and you use it for a reason that you feel deemed worthy, who am I to say you're not supposed to?
2: Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I can totally respect that uh, point of view. And I think uh, very much uh, the same way. But shall shall we move away from getting into... Danny,
1: Danny mm-hmm. come on, Danny. <laughs> Daddy, come and save us. Danny's saying that Red Bull will struggle to win again in 2017. There we go. Back on topic. (laughs) And uh, I'm not necessarily surprised because, uh, well, you kind of have to use recent past to put yourself in the future. The Renault engine is close but not quite maybe up to that level but it's the mix of everything and they're still a bit behind from last year you know the off season of 2016-17 the the in-between there really was costly for Renault uh, Rebel especially uh, that partnership that team and it's going to end in the near future too we all know that there's like a a Damocles sword on the year 2018 down the road so we'll see what happens there but all those things considered, all those things put together, makes Danny Ricardo feel like it's not going to change next year. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and it's interesting, too, because when you look at it and you think about it, I I think that uh, Danny Ricciardo has quietly been one of the success stories of the season. I know he's not up there challenging Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel for the World Championship, but they weren't really expected to do very much this year, Red Bull. I mean, they they were disappointing in preseason testing. And of course, in the Australian Grand Prix, Ricciardo struggled right off of the bat and retired from the race, and it just didn't go well. And, And obviously, poor Max Verstappen has been... Been struggling all year I don't even remember the last time uh, poor Max actually finished a race it seems like it's been forever ago but anyways I mean you, you have uh, Ricardo who won the uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix and he's had a whole string of podiums and I, I have a lot of respect for that and I, I think it's it's unfortunate on on one side because he's done so well and and Verstappen has struggled and I mean he's found different ways to retire from a Grand Prix, and most of them not from his own faults. I mean, uh, obviously he had a fairly good race in, uh, in in Hungary, but that was at the expense of his teammate, and that uh, coming together on the second corner of the opening lap, which was uh, which was unfortunate.
1: But uh, I, I think Let's that Ricardo. Face it. Uh, yeah. One thing about the Red Bulls is they're kind of like the best of the rest. If you yes, take Mercedes and Ferrari out of the question. So being the best of the rest, if anything happens to those fronts, or if by some miracle they're totally different in their setting and they don't make it and they just end up qualifying fifth or sixth, well, they'll be the beneficiary because they're right there just behind them. So whenever that happens, we've seen Daddy Ricardo on the podium. And, hey, it will happen more often than not. Odds, that's what they say. So when you have four... And one or two are going to touch each other. Something's going to happen. You'll end up on a podium multiple times. And that's what happened with Danny
2: yeah and uh, i think it's great that uh, that he has done so well and it would have been cool to see him actually win that race in, in singapore but you know i mean once the the other three main challengers for that race were all taken out at the uh well not even before the first corner <laughs> just basically after the start finish line uh, I, I mean that was going to be lewis hamilton's race and unless he had some unfortunate me- mechanical unreliability or by some ill twist of fate actually drove off of the track because I mean Lewis is very good in the wets that was going to be his race so I mean Ricardo's done well and yeah I I totally agree with him it it seems like a stretch that uh, they could win another race this year but who knows maybe if we get another one of these bizarre circumstances again he might have to have a shot at it but if he can maybe pull off some uh, more podiums or some top five finishes I think uh, he should be uh, pleased with that considering they didn't really have much of a hope coming into the season but just sort of talking about what you were saying now how they're the best of the rest they really are and it's it's kind of fascinating to see just the gap, gap between there's yeah. a gap
1: between there's a gap in front and there's a gap and a behind, gap behind. <laughs> that's
2: right and that's exactly and where i was going with is it as yeah.
1: big as the gap behind if not bigger
2: Yeah. And it's kind of funny because usually you have, like we see now, well, I mean, over the past couple of years, it's been Mercedes and a gap to everybody else. But I mean, this year it's been back and forth between Ferrari and Mercedes. But usually when you you have a couple of teams kind of scrapping at it, you, you have the gap between them and everybody else. You rarely see a team like Red Bull kind of buffering in between you know, the, the 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 good teams the best teams and everybody else they're kind of stuck in this weird no man's land but you know it, it might have been a little bit better for them if uh, if poor old max had uh, been able to get some more, more results along the re- along the way but you know he still has five races to get something done i mean his season in the terms of being a success or not a success was well, probably. <laughs> I think that was determined a long time ago. I mean, it's obviously yeah. been a huge disappointment for him, but who knows? Maybe we'll see Max get some uh, good results uh, to finish off the year here. At least we hope so.
1: Speaking of disappointment, uh, we, we glanced on it earlier. Let's just say it out, right? Joel Palmer uh, is thinking, maybe I'll be ready if I have to find a drive somewhere else in Formula One.
2: Well, does this mean, I know that his name has been loosely affiliated with Williams over the past couple of days, it but
1: so work. does this, it could work? It could but he doesn't work. bring enough money in, like he doesn't bring, I don't think he brings enough sponsors for now. Yeah. But uh, so who else? are we
2: assuming that may be on the move from Williams? Would it be Lance Stroll Massa or Felipe it, It's got, yeah, retiring. it's got to be Massa, right? I mean, it's it's got to be yeah. Massa retiring for real because he doesn't this year. say.
1: You know what? When somebody says he's retiring and he retires and he comes back, in my mind, it's when he doesn't say anything that he's retiring and we haven't heard him. So he said a few weeks ago, "Yeah, it might continue in a few years." Yeah, he's retiring.
2: Yeah, yeah, you kind of have to read between the lines there and uh, and kind of draw your own conclusions. But did you see also this week that uh, apparently Williams made a ten million dollar, pro- sorry, ten million pound, uh, windfall if you want to call it that from the well, release of a, a bot- Yeah, I mean it was a golden handshake basically. So it's when a Mercedes came- <laughs> So he was
1: loaned. He was bought like it's a transfer. Like Mercedes basically. Yes. Bought, yeah. Well, bought like bought us. Contract? How much for it? All right, we'll take it.
2: Well, the, the the interesting thing about that is that the the racing arm of uh, Williams made a profit of more than ten point four million pounds in twenty sixteen, and obviously uh, the bulk of it, that came from the ten million pound transfer sale, yeah. whatever you want to call it, of uh, of Valteri Bottas to go and uh, replace Nico Rosberg at Mercedes. But whatever, I mean, you Les don't Stroll
1: see that is, uh, is putting in too. Let's not forget that whatever yeah whatever Lawrence Stroll is putting in the pile probably makes a big difference too
2: yeah it would be uh, fascinating to find out how much that uh, that that strolls are actually bringing to the table to williams if if
1: any, if uh, any let's yeah. be fair let's be fair
2: I mean, Lance was pretty successful in every other uh, formula that he's raced in. I mean, he's the, the the reigning Formula 3 champion. I mean, he won that last year. And I mean, he, of course, his dad, Lawrence, bought the the Prima, uh, was it Power Stroke team or whatever it is?
1: It was Prima in uh, F3, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously they had a, a, a lot of financial backing. So, I mean, he had a good car and had a good team around him, but I mean, he was at the end of the day, he was still the guy driving the car regardless of all those other things. So, I mean, he had to get the, the, the job done. I mean, you can have the best equipment, the best team around you, but if you have no skill and no talent, it doesn't matter how good all those other things are. You're, you're not going to win motor races and you're not going to become a, a, a champion. It doesn't matter what level you're you're racing at. And I mean, we, we've seen it at times from Lance this year. I mean, we still have to realize that i mean he's only i think he turns 19 this weekend i mean he's uh, still a young fellow. You know, yeah
1: what i was doing in when i was 19 was well i was not driving a formula one <laughs> like <to say>. you <laughs> had more right. chance of finding me in a ditch somewhere than finding me on a racetrack but uh, <laughs> i think it's a nice place to maybe wrap things up Mark, for this week well, what are you yep. expecting at the malaysian grand prix because I-, I was kind of right last time. You were asking yeah. me, uh, what were you expecting? I was like, uh, if I don't know, I'm just going to expect Mercedes. And you know what? I'm not sure. So I'm just going to put Lewis Hamilton on top once again.
2: Yeah, I-, I think that you have to. And I think that with five races left in the year, I think that this is a make or break weekend for Sebastian Vettel and Ferrari. And I think it's going to set the tone for what's going to happen the-, the-, the rest of the way. I mean, it was a... I mean, I don't even need to say that it was a disaster for Vettel in Singapore. I mean, I know that he's been pretty chipper and upbeat about it over the past couple of weeks and stuff like that. But privately, I mean, he must be kicking himself because that was his race to win. That was his race to give away, and it all ended in tears for for Stappen, Vettel, and Kimi Raikkonen on that uh, opening lap at uh, at Singapore. And uh, you just have to get that feeling now that uh, since the summer break, I mean, it's basically swung momentum-wise in Lewis Hamilton's favor, and much like yourself, until Ferrari can and, and Vettel can prove it otherwise. Uh, I really, I, I really can't bet against uh, Lewis Hamilton at this point, and uh, I'm I'm going to have to say the same thing again that uh, it, it's it's going to be Lewis's weekend. But if Ferrari comes back, who knows? We we might have uh, a a more closer run in over the, the the last several races of the year, but make or break season for Ferrari this weekend. That's that, That's what I'm predicting, anyways.
1: I we both agree. You can follow me on Twitter at Kev Laramie and follow every show I do at SportsPodNet and find the on-demand version on Twitter. Uh, yes, on Twitter, but on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, Pocket Player, Google Play Store, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast, and at Sports podcastingnetwork.com
2: very cool All right. well I think that's uh, all the time that we have for this week and let's look forward to the Malaysian Grand Prix this weekend and we'll catch you guys again this time next week with our wrap up and all the latest news here on Scuderia F1 the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula 1 racing until then good day, good night, good afternoon wherever you may be and have a great F1
0: Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 Podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.
1: You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, SportsPodcastingNetwork.com.